Hello, friends. Last week, we introduced you to Ascent Nutrition's mold and mycotoxin-free organic coffee. Now it's time to check out their algae oil DHA. The benefits of algae oil DHA are incredible. It supports a healthy brain, memory, focus, clarity, and concentration, children's brain health, and a healthy development. It supports overall cardiovascular health, healthy DNA function, and a healthy inflammatory response. Algae oil DHA also facilitates quantum tunneling of electrons into the mitochondria for energy use. The list goes on and on. It also contains 250% more DHA than fish oil per unit. It's backed by at least 16 human clinical studies. Go check out all the benefits for yourself at GoAscentNutrition.com and use coupon code FKN to get 10% off your entire order. Welcome back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew. Today, my guest is Rob Yox. First, I have a couple of announcements. Forbidden Knowledge News is always available on Rockfin, Minds, Odyssey, Rumble, and all podcast platforms. Check us out on Rockfin. This is where you get our premium content. You also get all the premium content from all the creators there on Rockfin. You just go to rockfin.com FKN plus or click the link in the description to sign up. Our website is ForbiddenKnowledge.news, also the home of the Forbidden Knowledge Network. You're going to find amazing podcasts from our community there. And we started production on the Forbidden Documentary. We are hoping to hit the road and possibly even visit as many of you as possible along the way. Unfortunately, that can't happen without your help. Have you seen the price of gas? Now, if you'd like to help in any way, you can go to supportfkn.com, or we have a PayPal link in the description. Anything is greatly appreciated, and any donation made through supportfkn.com, you're going to get exclusive access to never-before-seen research on the JFK assassination from Corey Hughes, which is going into his new upcoming book. Some amazing stuff on there, guys. Like I said, anything is greatly appreciated. Appreciated. If you would like to help in any other way, email me forbiddenknowledgenews at gmail.com. Today, I want to welcome Rob Yox. He is a researcher, historian, international speaker, conspiracy investigator, paranormal investigator, and broadcast and podcast host. He is also the founder and creator of Full Spectrum Universe. Through his research on indigenous cultures from around the world, occult and esoteric as well as ancient spiritual teachings, contact, and conspiracy investigations, he's taken a multifaceted approach to explore his awareness and perception of reality. Rob, welcome. How you doing? Hey, what's going on, my friend? I'm so good. I'm so good. I'm so happy to be here. It's an honor and a privilege to be sitting on this stage with you and really, you know, conversing with you. I think this is an amazing channel doing amazing work, and I'm just so honored and happy to be here. Yeah, man, it's great to have you. Like I said, I've been looking forward to this. Your research, so many of my favorite topics, you know, from indigenous cultures, ancient spirituality to esoteric and occult studies, even contact experiences and modern conspiracies and much more. We can go in so many fun directions tonight, but this is your first time on. Let's start with more about you. Uh, Tell us a little bit more about yourself, your research, and what led you to it. Well, for me, talking about me is always, you know, a little hard, but because, you know, we're we're always hosts and we kind of get into everybody else, but I'll I'll give it a shot. And 
Well, my, one of the things that really drew me to sort of all of this extra research was I was always a history buff, loved history, looking through history. A lot of it didn't make sense. There was gaps and there was things missing and full context. And I'm like, you know, I really have to understand. And then I started to kind of spot these patterns where it looked like stories were being tailored in specific ways so we could they could just be a narrative or or they could prove something that it might not be. And I, and I was kind of looking for like a more robust understanding of it. And along the way, I kind of gotten to where, you know, the rubber meets the road where we're talking about specific points in history where there has been potential contact through UFO or, or uh, extraterrestrial contact. And that kind of led me down to like the ufology side of things. And once I got there, I was like, this is incredible. The whole world opened up, you know. So when the whole world opened up like that, what I did was I kind of kept going a little bit further. I would try and consume everything I possibly could to make sure that I was understanding each and every topic completely, you know, completely, fully, every angle. And I kind of was going about it in the wrong way because I think I needed to, to read more and kind of create my own understanding of what those situations are, at least those contacts mean to people while they tell me their side and me trying to give it more of like an analytical logical you know aspect of it so one of the things that i i also got into after that was a lot of spirituality with the contact came that spirituality aspect and then that kind of intrigued me for a long time and now i'm really down that that consciousness path we do uh me and my friend omar from watchers talk we do consciousness-based events we did the largest event last year online of 121 speakers over 11 days. It was just a grueling, grueling conference, but it was a lot of fun. We learned a lot. Um, and from there, I mean, I had worked with a lot of these people who had shows and I thought to myself, you know, maybe it's time, especially when we were, you know, locked in for so long, I decided to kind of transfer my energy. And I was like, let me try my own show. And I started to create and, and really put things together. I started taking video editing very seriously. And I also got into indigenous peoples because I felt a lot of that spirituality came from the fundamentals that indigenous peoples gave us. So people like Stephen and Evan Strong were a really, really big driving force in my understanding of where humanity physically started or where they come from. And that's out of Australia. Most people would say out of Africa. I kind of believe it's out of Australia. And from Australia, a lot of these indigenous cultures spread out across the world. And they have evidence and proof. They have uh, skeletons. They have metallurgy that that these rings that look like they could have been from Atlantis or somewhere else. And it was a really wild ride. But what that did is it kind of gave me a lot of focus on on the ceremonial ritualistic aspects but also the spiritual connection and the symbiosis to the planet and each other and those indigenous peoples kind of practice and preach so i went down that rabbit hole for a long time and you know now being in indigenous studies for probably three years now i've just i feel like i've changed as a person but it's also reaped a little bit of benefit too. Paul Wallace um, just finished up the last book in the Eden series. I helped put a lot of that research together and, you know, it's doing very well right now on Amazon, but it was a lot of fun. And just to be mentioned in a book like that with an author of that caliber was just, you know, it was one of the best points in my life. I was just so happy about it. Man, that's great. Now, uh, I think that would be a good place to start with is your research into indigenous peoples. Uh, where did you start when it comes to, to, to that specific aspect of your research? I started with the Iroquois. Now, I am Italian and German with a very small, small sliver of, of Native American in me, and I tried to figure out my own heritage in that aspect. So I first went through my family tree. I found out that we were Iroquois. It was, you know, the five nations. Eventually, it was really the six nations. Um, it was just it was so much fun to dive into the um, the creation story. I did a presentation at one of the events on the creation story and how that creation story kind of coincided along with the aboriginals and the African Bushmen indigenous peoples and how this these narratives and this comparative mythology really kind of clicked together. So. The story goes as, and, and actually I'm at, in that presentation, I make relevance to a Bible as well. And one of the things that the indigenous people show is that there's the masculine and the feminine. 
And when we get into the the feminine side of that kind of uh, that uh, mythological hierarchy, the creator of what we are is is you know the the sky woman or the, the wind woman some people call it and you know there's a great spirit is kind of her counterpart and she breeds life to daughters eventually that actually i'm sorry two sons and then the sons have daughters and they become the food that we eat and and that great connection you know the the corn the maize and i think it's the wheat is the three of them and that actually leads to the story, which can be found on almost every ancient every ancient civilization about the seven sisters and the Pleiades, because everything is kind of coincides back to, to that seven sisters, which is the water, the rain, the sea, the river. I could name all of them. But, you know, and I, I think that the the, um, the 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 people that they talk about, the, the gods, the myths, the heroes, they are prevalent. And all other cultures going forward from those points. So it was a great starting point for me. I mean, and one of the things I loved is they had a character in the Iroquois called the hero. And it was an actual title. It wasn't, you know, usually he, his somebody's name would be hero. But this was at the time an actual title that was given to people who brought peace and justice, especially when, you know, colonization was happening and that was a great story to go on. And, you know, there's just so much information running through my head right now. But I just love the fact that they use, you know, these ceremonies to to kind of move that that your that consciousness pattern forward as we go. Like, you know, when you're a young child, you get you you gather and they give you sort of some sort of a ritualistic ceremony. Then when you get to hunt, you get to do it again. And then when you're a warrior, you do it again. And those are kind of like fermenting your levels inside of society. And we actually do that now, too, without really thinking about it. You know, in the Catholic Church, there's communion, confirmation, marriage, and then we, so on and so forth. You know, in the actual rights of society, there's, you know, regular schooling in the very beginning. Then there's high school, college, master's, doctorate. So there's a lot of initiation that we don't even really know that we go through. And we would kind of take it as, as a perspective of how our consciousness grows through each of those aspects. We kind of get to this point where it's like, wow, we really do have a, a very, very similar path and pattern as to the peoples who came before us. Yeah, uh, and you mentioned the the kind of similarities even across the the ocean on the different side of the planet between some of these cultures and spiritual beliefs. Maybe you could get a, into a little bit more of that and what you found as some of the more significant similarities, uh, especially when it comes to possibly the the beings these interact these um, our ancestors interacted with. There's always stories of beings from the sky and beings from below the ground, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things, you know, I'm going to start small and then I'm going to kind of gradually pull out. So the Iroquois people, and this is kind of how I followed my chain to those beings and, and forming those connections in that comparative mythology, the Iroquois people and the Cherokee people, while they were both on opposite sides of the United States, Iroquois to the north, Cherokee to the south, linguistically, it was like they came from the same people. That's how similar linguistics and ceremony and mythology was between the two tribes. Both of those tribes came from the West. And this is kind of how I backtrack to Australia and go, okay, now there's something going on with Australia that we really have to look at. And all of them talked about sky people. Sky people were not the gods. Sky people were, were a, set of su a subset of gods. And when we go west, we get to the Hopi who saw those sub that subset of gods to actual gods. They were the actual star people. And they came down and gave them um, all different types of technology. They could do all different types of things and all different types of craft came down. They would call them birds that were on fire, like a phoenix. Um, to a dragon, even though, you know, they didn't really even know what a dragon was at the time. They just kind of said a long lizard with a flame coming out of its out of its front and back, which was kind of strange. I, it, you know, if you try and take the picture of it, you're like, is that going up or what's happening there? But, you know, now when we go back to the aboriginal people in dream time, they were not just visited by extraterrestrial. They were visiting, being visited by ultra dimensional beings trying to give them guidance on their path and if we go back to the iroquois they also have a form of dream time in the spirit walk which is where they do the ceremony where they deprive themselves of 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 almost every nutrient that they possibly can think of for a, a certain amount of time 
and then they smoke specific tobaccos and in and, and combination and then they kind of go into this really high highly elevated state where if ayahuasca or peyote was involved it can get that way too but you know a lot of it was from deprivation when they were like on the brink of almost having an nde and they kind of encounter all different types of beings so you know the african bushmen talk about star people too but they came from they, they they came from the stars and ended up going underground in some of their stories and then coming back out later or you know there's um there's a tribe in africa that's more towards ethiopia and they had beings that were coming out of the water but in craft and they were landing and there's specific and paul wallace talks about this really well he's you know he's fantastic when he says it but there's specific tribes even to this day that are modernized but know that specific people get taken away at specific points and it's these underwater beings and they take them to some underwater um basically an underwater base and bring them back two or three years later and so many people in these towns have recorded the same types of uh you know the same types of occurrences and it's kind of like you know Sometimes the people who are like critics or naysayers would be like, well, that's kind of like Rumspringer to the Amish. They get to run out into town for a while and then come back. But they they talk about these almost lizard-like style beings that literally teach them as they're down there, too. And all these people that come back are completely changed. And, you know, that's a lot of the a lot of the um, the these types of beings are not classified to the same level as like the great spirit or the sky woman but even you know talking about the sky woman that sounds like an entity itself you know and there's also some of the you know some of the african bush creation stories is well there's a woman who comes from this whole great hole where the basically the tree of life and knowledge is ripped up it's one tree tree of life and knowledge they rip it up there's a big hole in the sky and they all come down she comes down and she walks into the caves. And when she walks into the cave, she breathes life to the bugs, breathes life into the animals. And then she finally needs somebody to help her till the land. And that's when she brings humans to, to you know, to, to power. But it's, there's so many different sides to these stories that we can look at it. You know, if we look at that towards the Bible or the Iroquois towards the Bible, there's similarities. And that's one of the reasons why now, a little bit of what I'm doing is that comparative mythology, because we can track these entities throughout time, throughout time, Sumerian Kings list up to, uh, you know, the times of King Arthur. I've, I've done one such entity by the name of Ayana. Ayana was the granddaughter of, of a uh, Sumerian. Um, he's like a Sumerian pharaoh, but he was seen as a god. He was a pharaoh in Samaria. And essentially what he what this woman did. <clears throat> was she lived for so long that you find her in Phoenician writing, you find her in Egyptian writing, and then you also find her all, like I said, all the way up to where she actually lands in Ireland. When she lands in Ireland, she basically is seen as somebody way different because she's darker of hue. And the people who came from Ireland, actually, the Druids of Ireland had a tremendous connection with the Phoenicians. So from Ireland, she goes to England and then she becomes Morgan Le Fay. And Morgan Le Fay, she has these these powers. And even up to like these, you know, when we look at comic books, they're kind of like art imitating life. And Wonder Woman, her name is Diana, not Ayana, but Diana. And she's a representation of this god. And she's an Amazonian that can fight. And this Ayana is seen as the goddess of war and the goddess of love at the same time. It's just really wild. But I, it's just so much that goes into the mythologies. I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, man. It's and that that particular aspect of individuals or people or entities that could be uh, appearing throughout different stories throughout history throughout different periods of time, uh, just because that they have the ability or uh, that long of a lifespan. That's really interesting. Uh, now I do want to talk a little bit about that, but first I want to get to the advanced aspects of our our ancient ancestors and these indigenous peoples uh you know 
most people don't think uh, of them to be too advanced, but when you think about their knowledge of the stars, agriculture, spirituality, what they were doing with ceremonies, the plant medicines that they were making, everything seemed it was highly advanced. It's just not the type of advancement that we're used to. Probably much more efficient, much more peaceful, and uh, p- they probably lived under uh, a much better aspects of society that way. Absolutely. And, you know, this is something that I firmly believe this isn't proven, but this is kind of something that I've garnered to be a, a, a truthful type of, of for me, I've looked at evidence of it, but it doesn't make sense to say that it's definite. You know what I mean? But there's something on this planet called yuga cycles and a yuga cycle is essentially every 26,500 years. And it be in the middle of every yuga cycle, mankind And this goes back to the seven root races, right? So we have all these different root races that each live in a yuga cycle or a half of a yuga cycle. So in the middle of every yuga cycle, man goes through some sort of tribulation where he either flourishes like Atlantis did and then gets to the end of his cycle. And then again, of course, he has to go against that, you know, that catastrophic event at the 12,000 year mark, even though, you know, you can last a whole yuga cycle, but then you're going to go through two of those events, right? So mankind is either thrust forward in the middle of each yoga cycle to be this technological bastion of, of whatever, whatever it needs, creation, energy, whatever it is, or they get knocked back to the stone age. And when they get knocked back to the stone age, now we're primitive people again. EMP pulses can take out. We know right now we could be living in the stone age tomorrow. EMP pulse comes, boom, everything's gone. Nothing works. Cars don't work. Computers don't work. Everything is back to sticks and rocks and we got to build fires and really do things, you know, like that. And I truly believe that every one of those root races had to encounter somewhat similar but different style cycles where they either had to flourish or get knocked back. And I think the beginning and if you notice, a lot of mainstream media only goes back like the mainstream history only goes back 12,000 years. So it kind of coincides with that you know, that line and the Sumerians and, and the, the Native Americans. And, but they've already debunked it a little bit with the Bosnian pyramids and the footprints found in New Mexico that were 24,000 years old. Mm-hmm. But it could have been, an, you know, it could have been a previous root racer, you know, well, whatever it might be. I think we're on the seventh root race now, sixth or seventh. Right. I'm not an expert in the root races, but I truly believe that that's what happened. So, if that happens and there is that catastrophe, the, the deluge, the ice age, all those different things, you know, they were all catastrophes. Something gets left over, whether it be the knowledge that the people had or some of the tech that could potentially be there or whatever they can scrounge up. So I do believe that the beginning civilizations of this cycle had superior technology in the sense of knowledge or actual tech right then do we do right now yeah and you're right there's uh there's no way to tell actually how many times uh we've been reset throughout history and had to start over as a human civilization uh and there's you know more evidence coming out recently from people doing research that why we might have had an uh, even had a major catastrophe within the past uh, few hundred years that have might have completely changed in our erase the past history that we've known but that's a that's a completely different show uh i want to go back to what you were saying about people that we can look at throughout history and ancient texts that might indicate that they have lived for an extremely long time and been around and possibly have been worshipped as what was considered gods uh you just you mentioned one individual earlier who else can we look at that's really might stand out as someone who's kind of time traveled well, I, I, again, Ayana is coincidentally close to Merlin. Merlin is somebody that we can find for a, probably three, four thousand years, and he lives for a very long time in text. Right? God knows if Merlin was actually real or not. But we see this with the transition of of specific gods. We see Zeus and Saturn, and then also Odin. They they transcend these these timelines, but. There's more characters in the sense of of um, Osiris. Osiris is seen in so many different ways, so many different ways from Egypt all the way up to all these different even 
even mentioned and referenced towards the Bible in later years when we get into it. I, I have to pull the text up to tell you exactly where it is, but I have seen it in there. And a lot of these, you know, a lot of these people that w- a lot of these people that we look at, what we're doing is we're looking at characteristic traits. They they can change in a story. You know, we see, I, you know, just to go back to Ayana real quick to kind of give you a little bit of, a, a, you know, um, a, an example. In the very beginning, she was very nice. And as time goes on, and I believe that they're by themselves for so long, they become bitter and angry because they're losing people or some cer- certain circumstance. Um, you know, I- I've done a lot with Ayana so far. A lot of the other ones, I haven't gotten there yet because the comparative mythology is something that's kind of new for me. But, you know, I know that there are so many out there, especially when we look at the Bible. Some of the, the references in the Bible talk about Moses and, Ab- and, and Abraham living for, you know, what the first the first few people were 900, 600, 1400 years. There's something there in in their gen- in their genome that's letting them live that long. So are they hybrid? Are they some sort of, of different style type of human that was created or uh, evolved? Do we know? But you know, a lot of these there's so many symbols of them and. It's funny because a lot of them come up in like comic books now and kind of like these mythological people, but they but they're believed to be real people at one time. And that's one of the things that you struggle with too with mythology is were these real people or were these kind of representations of something? And I do believe that most were real people. They were real either real, you know, kings or or, or sovereignty that was looked at as a god extraterrestrials ultra dimensionals you know just everything it was so many it runs the gambit so there's a lot of it oh yeah now we like like i said earlier we've got so much to cover and you just mentioned extraterrestrials and interdimensionals and this of course is is one of the big topics that i cover it's one of my favorites and it's one that has also my perception of has it changed very vastly over the years uh, since I first started looking at it, and it's probably going to change a million more times as time goes on. Uh, but as of now, um, my perception is is very different from even, uh, I say, last year. From the time you started looking into extraterrestrials or interdimensional beings, how has your perception of what these things are changed, if any? True. Tremendously, tremendously, just like yourself. I, I did believe that there might, you know, I, I don't know. There's no definite for me, like as if they're physical, are they not physical? But I believe now it, that it, when I first started, it was definitely some sort of physical being coming down, doing its damage or, you know, taking, taking its cells or creating some sort of hybrid and then jetting out. And now I think that there is more of a consciousness connection to it, one. Two, I think that there are more more um, ethereal styles in which that they can come in contact. Also, I think that there is a lot that we still don't know in the sense of transference of consciousness and your consciousness goes to the ship, but you're really here, but they can still take physical cells from you somehow. I mean, for me, it's opened up a lot. It's opened up a lot. And Looking at the different, uh, different, I guess, species or different races that are out there and how they've actually interacted with people, I think shows a little bit more, too, of how there is this there is this knowledge that we still have yet to uncover. That that's that's the definitive of what they truly are. But I believe that, you know, when I first started, I was like, they definitely came from outer space. Then for a little while, I was like, well, maybe they came from the future and their genetic cells are just so run down that now they're coming back to try and get some of that extra, you know, some of those genes and that genetics to hype up their, their uh, manipulation of, of those vessels later on down the road. And then I was like, well, maybe they're, they're creating portals and you're metaphysically traveling through a portal. And now you're speaking with them from somewhere off in a distance that you never even left your bed. So it's been like this transition. And I think that they're all true. I think that you can get any one of those types of contact now. And also I'll tell you this story. My fiance is not very into ufology. 
I was doing an event with my friend Omar called Total Disclosure, and I have never had any contact until that moment. And it wasn't contact in the sense of they communicated to me, but I saw it. So we're standing outside and she's not into, like I said, not into this lifestyle or really delving into it. And we look up and we see a light and it looks like a star. It, that's how far away it is. And the light gets a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. And then it, it shoots like straight over our heads and just gone. And I was like, whoa. What was that? She saw it too. And she goes, I have no friggin' idea what that was. And I was like, that was wild. And then at first, you know, you sit there and you're looking at it. You're like, was that, was that not? I'm not sure. In the next 30 minutes, I counted seven different airplane or seven different jets circling and or triangling around that vicinity. And I don't live near an airport. So that kind of air traffic is not common at all ever. And I was like, something was going down. And here's the kicker too. I've always wanted her to kind of be involved in that community. So did my consciousness kind of project that message out to them and say, Hey, look, you want to help me out and show my fiance a little bit of what you guys could do. Was that me? And also I was holding an event called total disclosure where, you know, when the government was supposed to come out with their disclosure, we ran one back to back with it. So we knew we weren't going to get anything from the government. So we wanted to bring on people who had contact and information about that contact. So it was right before that. And it was like, they kind of gave me like that head nod, like, go ahead, man. Like you're going to do the event. It's going to be awesome. And then two weeks after the event, I'm in Texas and I look up and I see the same thing again, this time I'm by myself, but I saw it again. And that was after the conference. So I'm like, maybe they came back to be like, all right, dude, you did all right. And gave me another head nod and kind of went on its way, you know, but it was that for me was like, just, that was the only contact I've ever had. I've talked to a million people who have had contact. And I was always like, why, why don't I ever get the contact? Why don't they ever contact me? What's going on? Am I supposed to sit on the outside here and just kind of, you know, be the ultimate outsider? Like I call myself and not get that contact and just kind of report on it. But then it happened and it was like wild. But the fact that we had it together was really special for me. I don't know how she feels about it, but for me, it was like, that's the wonder of what, what I do and looking into certain topics. And that's, you know, finding that needle in the haystack when you're doing research, you're like, yes, I found that connection. Let's, let, let's go, you know? And it was just, it was incredible. Uh, you, yeah. You, uh, you mentioned the uh, mainstream disclosure thing and that uh, of course, if, you know, if you've listened to me for any amount of time, you know how I feel about it. Um, I don't trust anything coming from our mainstream media or our government. These government uh, three-letter agencies that are trying to push different types of people into the forefront. They're trying to put people into this community and kind of insert them and get their agendas and narratives and I think cause a lot of confusion in what's going on. Uh, and mixed in with that, we have plenty of people that are coming into this community just to cause confusion or get their own notoriety in certain ways. Uh, but as far as the, the mainstream and our government and the media and the connections there. What do you think's going on? It's definitely infiltration. And I, I'm, you know, this kind of goes to like my esoteric and the occult and how they use fear to propagate other operations that they have. And I think that this is one of the ways that it was becoming more prominent and people wanted to kind of know and really understand it, even, even in the sense of the community that, that we're a part of. You know, it was it was steadily growing, but then all of a sudden with the mention of it, it kind of really like popped the bubble popped. And now it's just everybody rushing in to see what's going on. And I think that they definitely infiltrated to create that confusion to, to propagate cover stories, to really generate a fear based campaign on, on ufology. They want it to be fearful. They're coming. They're going to kill you. It's going to be the end all be all and we need to prepare. And that sentiment to me doesn't make sense because we wouldn't be here if they really wanted us gone. Right. Maybe some out there don't want us to be here, but there's something else going on behind the scenes that I'm not privy to because we are here right now. Maybe. Maybe. Well, we can get to that, you know, projection of reality later. But, you know, from what I understand and 
I really think that there's a lot of money to be made in this industry. And it seems to be everything to everybody. One of the things that I personally live by is I'm here for the information. Like if I can make monetization a sponsor, that's cool. But I'm not going to push to be a millionaire. My job is to, you know, when I when I listen to my ancestors, they're telling me, create a database. Like we put the paintings on the walls. You have to do the same for the next generation. That's the mission. That's my mission. I have to put this information out there. Now, if I can sustain, make a sustainable living out of it, I'm cool with that too. But these people are gouging for notoriety and fame as well with it. And it, it it's so prevalent that there's people out there who come up with these fantastical stories. And I understand that some of the fantastical stories might be true, but there are people that are literally making things up to try and garner that recognition and that money. And that, you know, for a long time, this was a very closed community. People weren't talking about other people in that way. You were hearing stories that were a little bit more realistic. And, and now that the floodgate has opened, that also comes with these people who are, like I said, trying to gain that fame and they'll elaborate on make these crazy stories up. And it's, it's, it's really wild, too, because we see this with everything. They infiltrate. They create fear and panic. And now the, the community is going in 17 different directions, what they believe and what they feel. It's divisive. And that's what they want, because now they can control the narratives a lot easier if not everybody's on the same page. And that's also what they do with Revelation of the Method. When Revelation of the Method is where they tell you what they're going to say before they do it, or they tell you what they're going to do before they do it. They say it to you in some way, shape or form. What they did with that disclosure movement in the very beginning and probing for it, they were telling you we're coming for the UFO community. So prepare yourself because we're infiltrating. And that's what that was. That was the, my, that was one of the red flags that, that made me want to go and put that event together because we knew no matter what, Oh, three months, three years, three decades, we're not getting anything from them. doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that they know that this is a spiritual phenomenon. As I, you know, that's I 100% believe that this is connected to our consciousness, our souls, and this is guiding us in a certain way, at least based on my own personal experiences with contact and what I've learned. Uh, the it's a very personal phenomenon. Each individual is going to have maybe similar experiences, but the messages are very much connected to them from what I've heard from genuine contact experiences and from my own. Um, they are guiding people to heal themselves, become their best selves, and you know heal everything around them. And it's usually positive messages for the most part and if it is negative it's most it mostly starts out negative because the people don't understand it and then they get regressed or have some work done and it ends up being a very uh, life-changing phenomenon for them and an experience and some people seek more spiritual spirituality after they have contact experiences uh i you know i bettered my life in so many ways after my experience and this is true for many other uh contactees that i've spoken to now that being said if this is causing people to have great things happen in their life why would the powers that be want people to know the truth about it why would they want them to embrace it uh i think that they are extremely threatened by what is happening behind contact, the truth behind contact, what is going on with it, whether it's physical or non-physical. I'm 100% convinced that it is 1,000% spiritual. Absolutely. I 110% agree. I 110% agree. There's two things that they focus on, as in they and them. We all know who they and them are. I don't want to say things, if, especially if it's going to be on YouTube them the establishment yeah. we know that they don't want us to know where we come from because a man and woman who doesn't know where he comes from is a man and woman lost that's one thing that's what goes down with the history and the rewriting of histories and not having any focus on specific instances in history that'll give us that ability to really garner our fullest potential and that potential is limitless once we exceed in frequency and vibration to 
or at least be able to manipulate our vibration at such a way that there's no, nothing is off limits. That's one of the monikers of my show, Full Spectrum Universe, is with passion and knowledge, nothing's off limits. Nothing's off limits. You can do anything. You know, and there's a lot of different uh, phrases that I say from people that I've spoken to, like Phil Gruber. The information is the activation. When you're in the knowing, now you have that as an armament or as a battlement. You know what I mean? It's there for you to use. It's activating. And also, we are the ones we've been waiting for. When we figure out our truest potentials is when we seek that harmonious future and that timeline that we are creating. And I also believe it has a lot to do with the indigenous way of life and that symbiosis with each other and the planet. And as a collective, we can create that difference that's going to change things at such surface level, energetic level, and a mental level and spiritual level for everybody. Not that we're telling anybody what to think or what to do. We're asking you to, we're, we're kind of enticing you to explore it for yourself. There's a thousand roads to source, but that source is one road and that's internalization. It all comes back to you and the work that you're doing for you to be the best version of you and create that potential for yourself. Now, how do you think this whole deception ties in with what we're being told is the traditional model of space? I also, always have to preface this by I am not a flat earther. <laughs> I in no way believe we live on a pancake floating through whatever the ether is. Um, but I do not believe in anything NASA tells me. I don't believe in what they're being telling me exactly what the uh, – the traditional model of space is. I'm not sure if the earth is round, if it's a triangle, if we're in a simulation, if we're in a realm, it, or some kind of spiritual training ground. I don't know, but I know there's a major deception and confusion that is being perpetuated by the mainstream, by NASA, by our sciences, and always has been. And there is a huge mystery surrounding what's beyond our atmosphere and what can be achieved with space travel and i want to get your thoughts on this i i'm not sure about space itself like you said i'm not a flat earther i don't know if we're moving at sixteen thousand miles per hour through uh, a black abyss where there's other things that are not hit like think about it at sixteen thousand miles per hour if a small asteroid hit us it's just like when you're driving a motorcycle if you hit a pebble at 80 miles an hour, you are going to probably get eviscerated on the pavement below. But, you know, so I don't, I don't really know what's out there. I do believe that there is the earth that we know, and then there are layers beyond it. I don't know if you've seen it recently. There's this map that comes in where Admiral Byrd talked about yes. those lands beyond. Yeah, and that's great. That to me would make a lot more sense. And I do think that there is a oval shape to it. And that's why we see things as circular when we look at the moon, whether it's fake or not, they would have emulated something that like looked like the, the other objects floating in our universe. You know, even if it was towed in by, let's say, Anunnaki or whatever the case may be. Um, and we see those other planets, they are round in shape. They're not pancakes. So I don't believe in flat Earth either. And I think that's, you know, I talked to a gentleman by the name of Mark Fiorentino. And he was working on Einstein's theory of relativity and super relativity unified field theory. And he fully believed that. And, I, and the one question I asked him that was fascinating, I said, what did you find out that you weren't looking for? And he says that the universe is made of ones and zeros. There is a creation to the universe that is artificially made. Somebody created it or something created it. I said, that's pretty wild. So, you know, I look to the space and, and cosmology experts on that. And I think that there is space. I just don't know if there's that Kuiper belt of radiation like they talk about. Um, I believe that I don't believe in a firmament. I don't think that there would ever be a firmament. I think that we would suffocate if there was a firmament, because even if there was created oxygen inside of that firmament, eventually it would run out. I would believe, you know what I mean? I don't know. If that works for me, that I don't believe in the firmament, but I don't believe in flat earth either. And I don't think we're on a pancake floating in space. I'll tell you that. I think we're on a 
globe shaped thing, but I think there's more out there than they want us to know about because some of our ancestors came from those outer areas and yes. they are consciousnessly advanced than we are. And they're still out there. They're still out there. And they're actually, I think that there's something going on with Antarctica where they're being told you can't come into this area. Otherwise there yeah. will be, you know, we, we will get shot down. And I think that's what happened to Admiral Byrd. He got out there somehow, slipped through the cracks, and now here he is, you know, and yeah. he found some people and they were like, you got to get the hell out of here. And he was like, okay, I see what you guys are capable of. I'm out, you know? Yeah. But I, it's wild out there, man. I think there's so much left to be explored and I'm so excited about it. Yeah, man, that's that's super fascinating to me. I love the whole extra land thing. Uh, I want to get to, in your notes, you, you sent me timelines and project looking glass. Now, I love this stuff. Uh, I love the fact that uh, through project looking glass, they were trying to find, you know, if they, them, they would ever get their, their dream utopia outcome through this whole new world order thing. And uh, apparently they always lose. And I, I, that's a beautiful thing to me uh but uh what do you think do you think that i think that we're on all different timelines right now i think that uh the people that are living their lives normally that aren't participating in bs that don't watch the news that aren't wearing masks every day that aren't getting the whatever you want to call these experiments that our people are getting uh i think that they're on a completely different timeline than those that are and uh there's variances and i think that has to do uh on a global scale where people's collective consciousness is going and what the outcome uh, is going to be for what the, what you would call globalist them, they, or whatever want the outcome to be versus what in reality is actually going to happen. What do you think? I'm going to, I'm going to reference a few things right now. I'm going to reference indigenous peoples. I'm going to reference the the looking glass and what I believe is happening to timelines. Mm -hmm. So, there's a Hopi prophecy and the Hopi prophecy says that after the third cycle or the third turning of the sun, which is actually this year, after we go around through the uh, summer and winter solstice again, which is actually reversed because this kind of come, this came from aboriginals and Hopi. So they're actually on different uh, solstices. But after that, there's going to be a great split. The lower frequency people are going to go one way the higher frequency people are going to go another way. And what happens is they're going to be literally on the same plane of existence, but not able to interact with each other because they'll, they'll, their reality won't be the same. They will be on the same plane of existence. It's hard for me to, my, my brain took like seven times to get this. So they're on the same plane of existence, but because they've actually transcended, it's like the different dimensions, fourth dimension, fifth dimension will be on the fourth or fifth they'll be in the second and third, no more interaction unless we engage. And there's always ways to get back to that higher fourth or fifth dimension. And there's always, you don't go backwards, but you can go up after a lifestyle. Like a, you have to be reincarnated back into that fourth and fifth dimension. So that great split is a representation of what's kind of happening now. And there's different timelines and they're out there. And this is what Mandela effect is, is when these two timelines come so close, there's bleed through memory between the both timelines. So your higher self is your conduit to all different dimensions and time and space. So if your higher self, let's say it was here, it would have tendril threads on every timeline or every variance of every timeline. It's your connector point, like your, like your operator. If this was a phone line, it's like your operator before it goes to source, right? That's the direct lens that source goes through. So all of that is in the knowledge of the higher self, which is why sometimes when we meditate, we look for guidance from our higher self because it's seen it all and been through it all. So now what's happening is as these, as the, we're moving down this timeline prime, I'm going to call it timeline primes, the middle timeline, the biggest one. There's other timelines that are snapping into it and closing. And as they do that, our self from that reality is getting kind of fra that, that fractal of ourselves is getting reabsorbed into the center of what we are now, which is also a reason for Mandela effect. Those memories were maybe not yours. They were somebody else's. 
or a version of you. And now you're understanding. It's like when you look at something and you either have deja vu or a difference in, in seeing it multiple ways. You're like, wait a minute. The last time I did that, I did that differently, but I still had the same outcome. And I'm, you know, there's moments where you feel that. So with that prophecy, we're going to snap back to one timeline before we go into another split. And that, again, is the universal cycle, that cyclistic nature of back to one, diverging into the many, back to one, diverging into the many, because everything I believe has parameters, just like as if we're, you know, there's, there's different calculations or different sets of, of things that we can do within this time frame or in this period. We can split into 72,000 timelines or remain on that one, but eventually we're going to be in, in, in the area of both just because of the cyclistic nature of, of everything. And we see that with the way that the, the, the plants grow, the way we grow and, and we evolve. So I, that's my belief. And I think looking glass was a way for, you know, it kind of is, it's kind of the same or it's not the same, but it's kind of along the same tech as the Corona visor in the Vatican. Except this one, they can interact and actually get like the chronovisor is just to see this one. They actually can become hands on and change things. And I think that they have, which is why we're in a moment that we are in right now where such such evil is walking around and NPCs, you know, people you talk to, they look like there's nothing behind their eyes. You're like, this is crazy. This is crazy. What's going on right now? But this is probably one of those times that, you know, it's in the cyclistic nature of it that evil or the archons have gained a foothold but ultimately they'll never win because there's too much there's too many of us and not enough of them always but they're going to try and when they try things are going to change and that's why we're in this moment now but i think a lot of the, a lot of what we learn is kind of mashing together right now and we can use some of the uh some of the insight from each experience to kind of or each bit of research to create that massive hole, you know, and I think I, I, I went through prophecy on that one. I went through looking glass and, you know, I, uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen after all of this settles, but I am absolutely sure that we're going to split back out. Once we reach that center timeline, we're going to actually split back out over centuries, but we're going to split back out to that multiple timelines and dimensions, things like that. I think we're all kind of collapsing in on itself right now. Yeah, I love that, man. Uh, you mentioned archons. What do these mean to you? Do you think that there are actually, you know, demons or extraterrestrials or entities, etheric beings that are maybe pulling the strings or whispering in people's ears or trying to push us in certain directions or timelines? Or is it something that we create ourselves like egregores or thought forms or this negative energy that we put out there um, or just us or just humans uh, screwing ourselves uh, into these bad decisions. Uh, I, you know, I see it as we made a bunch of bad decisions trying to fix our bad decisions that we made before and it just kept getting worse and worse. And I, I love that uh, analogy said, you know, fractalizing out and eventually coming back into store to source. Uh, but what do you think is going on with that? I think I'm going to say yes, all of the above. I think that they're all there. And I think that there is an alignment between them. I think that there is this, there's this polarity for me when it comes to entities, um, ethereal entities, doesn't matter what it is. There's a polarity and there's, there's a gray area where people kind of, you know, mosey in and out of either side to forward its agenda. And this is why it's, it's, for me, this is why for me, it's not as simple as good and evil. There's people riding the middle and playing both sides for some ulterior agenda, maybe five or six different people riding different agendas. But there is an alignment with all things. I want to say lower frequency right now because they do believe that their time is numbered. So whether it's an extraterrestrial, whether it's an ether real being, even though it's not physical, doesn't mean it can't be low frequency. We don't know all the laws of each dimension or how it works. So I think that there is an alignment and they're all gung ho about enslavement, about fear, because fear is food to them. Think about that. It's fear is food and enslavement. And once they have us where they, where they want us, 
because of our true because of our ability to transcend the scales, we can work for any and all of them in any way that they see fit. And I think that that's one of the things that human beings are. We're some of the brightest lights in all of the universe and solar system. So that's why we're so garnered. And they, every side wants us to team with them. And while you know, some will go with the bad, some will go with the good. And it's going to be that way forever. Even if we win this time, they're still going to be there. And it's going to go through that cycle of, you know, where they kind of go in and where they don't, you know, where they come in and take over and then we go in. You know, it's funny because I just saw a TikTok and you're going to be like, you're referencing a TikTok, but it's true. It's true. This lady said, what if the Bible where it talks about Armageddon, the rapture has already happened, right? And after that, it supposedly says that Jesus is going to rule the earth for a thousand years of peace, tranquility, renaissance, and that's right after the Dark Ages. So we have the Renaissance and all that movement, technology, and the, the industrial complex coming up and making life better and uh, you know, giving us technologies to help people. Well, it depends on whose hands it's in, but you know, potential for help. And every so often, the devil or Satan is going to get a short season. What if that's what we're in right now, that short season? And again, it goes back to the cycles, right? the yuga cycles, the regular cycles that they're talking about in the Bible, mm -hmm. the universal cycle. And we're having to kind of navigate these waters until it's another thousand years of peace. Yeah. I mean, there's so many um, aspects to what's happening now that you could point to, to being what some would say apocalyptic or uh, even, you know, there's a, so many people that are right now thinking that we're in the, what you would call end of days. And I don't think it ever ends. I think it's all cycles. Like you said, I think we are in, whether it's a down trough or a middle trough or, it, you know, a, a temporary trough, whatever is going on with this cycle that we're on, that we're always going to come out of it and we're going to always come back into it and i think along the way there's also major cataclysms and disasters that could alter the amount of humans and what's going on with global civilizations that happen at the same time uh but i think we always keep going i think we're always going to keep going uh but i do have a feeling that we are in a cycle where there are going to be major changes and things may get uh, a little difficult for people before they get better you know absolutely absolutely and you know it's never over. You're right. There is, there is no, there's no end of days. If there is an end, what it does is it creates a new beginning. So there's a, it's just a transfer, just like ourselves, we're, our souls or whatever you want to call it, our, our energies are that, they're energy. Energy cannot be destroyed. It can only be transferred or transmuted to something else. So we're always in that cycle. And this is one of the reasons why I, I believe in reincarnation. And, you know, I've, I've, I've visited a lot of psychics, a lot of mediums, and they say that my, my soul is one of the original souls of this planet. And that's why I've kind of come through and, and I've heard them talk to people and say, you are a completely brand new soul. You've never been here. You've been other places, but you've never been here. And I think that that's kind of like this out with the old in with the new kind of reoccurrence. And we're kind of just transfer. And now we'll go to somewhere else incarnate next time since we're you know since i'm old on this planet now that i've fulfilled my my duties hopefully on this round they'll send me somewhere else like jupiter or saturn who knows but you know i think that there is that that cyclistic nature and, and we're we're gonna have bad times but it's always gonna outshine it with good later on down the road and everything we do even in those bad moments is to preserve enough legacy to keep to give to those future generations so they don't have to start where we did they can start one step ahead of the game and i think that that's how it keeps happening until you know that ultimate race at the very end is angelic by nature you know they're just born angelic Let, let's spend the last few minutes on this i think this is a great talking point discernment of information and i think everybody 
ex- needs this extremely bad right now, especially with all the BS and misinformation. With every single topic that you look on online and in the media, uh, you're not going to find any truth there. So for you, what do you do to sift through all the BS, uh, especially when you're doing your research and you're trying to present it to others like we do here uh, on our podcast every day? How do you do your best discernment? Um, I can just say for me, I use my gut a lot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You have to use your gut, especially when we're talking about things that almost can't be proven in the way that like we want them to be proven. Right. Like we know what sounds and this is this is the crazy part, like talking to so many people who have had contact when you get that person who's not being genuine with you. I've studied body language. I mean, I've studied a lot of different things, but there's just something inside of you that goes, that's BS. That's BS. Immediately, you know it. And I don't know how or why, but one of the things I try and do is I try and vet the source where it came from. Have they been credible? Are they doing other research? Is it something that they just said um, on a, on a show somewhere really quickly, or is it something that they believe in themselves? And sometimes people's convictions can kind of give me an ability to like, uh, all right, I understand, but now I have to look at it myself. And that's one of the things that I try and do with my show. And I'm sure you do it as well Is everybody has that threshold where when they hear something, it clicks and then they have to go and research it because it's just, it's, it's, they need to know. And I hope that like every time we t- I touch a microphone or, or I'm on my show that we get that done. That something profound was said where somebody clicks, but a lot of it, especially when it comes to like the real like news media and like, I don't trust any of it. So I look for the patterns in the narrative and what they're trying to do behind the scenes. And that kind of gives me an understanding of where, where their modus operandum is. And I can kind of create what's really happening from that moment. Um, A lot of it is, uh, background research into a lot of their papers that they put out and their um, their essays where they're talking about this stuff. And this is what I mean by revelation of the method. They've said it already. You just got to find out where in that paper that context is relevant and then just kind of go about it in that manner. Spirituality, it's what feels right. It's what feels right to me. And after reading so many different texts, it becomes not just it feels right. You're able to kind of throw the idea back and forth in your mind and see if it fits for you or if it works. And that to me is my biggest discernment is that, that analytically looking at it, but also not like letting logic dictate exactly what I feel and kind of go about this, this understanding of what it is that I'm looking at. Right on, man. Um, now, I, I don't see any sustainable way we can keep going with our current systems of education, economics, entertainment industry. I don't see anything being sustainable in our old systems anymore in the old ways, and I see it crumbling right before our eyes. Um, and we also see formations of new systems. We see new researchers, new entertainment, new people coming up. Uh, nobody's watching Netflix anymore. Nobody's uh, tuning into what Hollywood has to offer. And I'm very excited about what we are seeing in the future. Do you see the same thing, a a kind of crumbling of these old systems? And are you optimistic about what could possibly rise up after? Absolutely. And one of the things I tell everybody is I think everybody should have like a show or an outlet to creatively kind of talk to people, right? We use Clubhouse and Clubhouse is one of the ways we have something called the Truth Seekers Tavern. It's got about 6,000 people. We put rooms on that are kind of just like open forum or whatever you want to talk about. doesn't matter. But I, I do see that old archetype or that, that, that system, it's really losing its foundations because a lot of what they've told us is not true. So for them to instill these systems, even after the fact, it doesn't work anymore. So we are creating these new areas and these new systems where where we can be more relevant in the moment and be more open to different information as opposed to what's just shoved down our throat. And I do see that Hollywood has lost all of its meaning. We are the news, as in mainstream media, which is why I've created a Substack so I can talk about real facts of what's happening in today's world. 
with a hint of spirituality that kind of, you know, my first article was on comparative mythology, but that's what I'm going to open it up for. And also I'm trying to create a website that's kind of aggregate news as in a non-biased way of retaining this information. So you can make your own decision. You don't have to be right. You don't have to be left. You can just be you and love being you in that moment. Awesome, man. This was fantastic. We're going to have to have you back on, and uh, there's so many more topics and so much more things we could cover. Um, before you head out, let the audience know where they can find Full Spectrum Universe and what you got going on there. Thank you. Thank you. So we're on YouTube right now. We're uh, just a, we're getting close to 2,000 subscribers on YouTube, which is, you know, after about a year and a half, it's I, I can't say it's been any better than it has been. It's been such an honor and a pleasure just to be out there and 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 giving people information. I just love it so much. And thank you, Chris. You know, it's just, it's amazing that you let me come on the show and I'm more than happy to come back at any time. You can find me on every different social media site from Facebook to Instagram to Getter to telegram everything full spectrum universe we're, we're ubiquitous across the dial uh we're also on platforms like i said um we're going to be on fireside soon we're also on clubhouse there's full spectrum universe on clubhouse you can come and just have impromptu conversations with everybody that we have there we've got a ton of great we've got a ton of great researchers from across the world and we have a telegram channel called true seekers type and where we bring the chat to life with information and research. It's one of the biggest forums that I've been a part of where people actually delve in research. A lot of it was on current events, but we're kind of spinning more out into the, you know, the topics that I love and that, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty much it. We're everywhere. Substack, full spectrum universe everywhere. Awesome. Rob, that was great. Like I said, we'll have to definitely do this again in the future. I'm, I'm always available for you, brother. And thank you so much. It's, like I said, it's been an honor and a privilege to be here. I love your show. I love being here. And I can't can't think of anybody better to talk to, man. This has been so much fun. I loved it. Thank you so much, man. We'll definitely do this again. And until next time, everyone, have an excellent evening. We'll talk again tomorrow. See you then.